Welcome to Before Showtime with Connor and Marcelo. Is Connor in the room right now? I am in the room. As a matter of fact, I am sitting across from you. Whoa, that's like pretty close. It's like we're having a conversation or something. We're close, as some might say. Yes. So today what we'll be doing is we're going to be going through two movie reviews, one of which it's close, the other which is missing, which are both out in theaters right now. I kind of want to explain how we got to the theaters because that was kind of a cool story, right? So basically, we took the Metro and we went to Landmark E Street to go watch Close at 1.30. And we were late to the screening. Yeah, we were a little late. Five minutes. Because you had gotten some Subway before, right? And then also, like, I was trying to show you some stuff. You were trying to show me that Paul Thomas Anderson coffee table book, which looked amazing. Yeah, it looks immaculate. As well as all your souvenir white noise posters that you got from E Street. Yes, sir. I mean, if you walked there, you better get the free movie posters, right? I'm under 21. I can't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They wouldn't even consider you. Because you need to serve alcohol to the guests. So yeah, we went, we're going to get so, loaded. Yeah. We're going to have a good time. So so we went there. We watched Close. And then immediately after, we, we went to Macy's to you grab a me a drawstring bag. bag. Yeah, I lost my drawstring bag. So I got one at Macy's. And In then the meantime, we... I got some pretty delicious mint cookies. Oh, yeah. They, they look pretty good. I'm not a mint guy, though, so... And don't tell the people who work at Landmark Atlantic Plumbing Cinema, but I snuck them in to see Missing. You sneaky, you sneaky guy, you. I've also, done it before, come on. What was funny, too, is when we went to the Macy's, the person commented on your Shining shirt. Yes, I got it from FYE back in New Jersey. It has the original poster art by Saul Bass, but with some Japanese writing over it. It was a great shirt, one of my favorites. Yeah, you would think the one of the theater employees would have commented, but it was a Macy's employee that was like, oh, I like The Shining. That's a good shirt. So we went after Macy's to another metro. We took it to the Green Line, right? To, to see Chinatown. To see Missing, and it was at Landmark Atlantic Plumbing Cinema, which was a much smaller theater. Yeah. This yeah. time we were on time for the showing. Well, yeah, because we, we actually like went right after the movie and we had an hour to get there. and It only took us about like 30 minutes. Yeah, and we finally got to see the previews for Bo is Afraid and in, Across the Spider-Verse in time. Yeah, I, honestly, all the trailers they showed, which was only like four, which thank God, Thankfully. Landmark, I thought they were all fantastic. Like Bo is Afraid, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Across the Across Spider-Verse. The Spider-verse. Right? Yeah, Those geez. are like my two most hyped films of this year, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah, I would say it's, I think Bo's Afraid is probably my most hyped movie Same. of this year, which is like not a common Walking sentiment. Walking Phoenix and Ari Aster, what a combo. Yeah, like the guy from Hereditary got Joaquin Phoenix, like one of the greatest actors of our generation. So it's going to be a good time. We watched Missing and we had some thoughts about it. We are fans of people trying to push the form a little bit. So this movie centers around a girl looking for her missing mother who ends up going on a vacation to Bohota, Colombia and goes like missing, hence the title. And yeah, not to be confused with the 1982 Jack Lemmon Sissy Spacek film, also called Missing. Yeah, not to confuse that, because that would be a big, big confusion. So she sort of is stuck on her computer for most of the movie, trying to hunt for her mom using technology. And the whole movie uses the perspective of cameras that you would actually have, like a laptop camera, FaceTime. You know, all those like nifty surveillance cameras. Yeah, WhatsApp is used a lot in this movie because in Bohota, you would have to use WhatsApp because it's free. Uh, You wouldn't want to pay the international charges. 
So I thought that was actually a cool little detail yeah. there. We both really enjoyed the very good thriller Searching, which was made in a very similar format. This is actually a spiritual sequel to that film with different characters, different story, but it's from the same creators, the same producers. If I recall correctly, the editors of Searching were the directors of this film, Will Merrick and Nick Johnson. Yeah, they the editors wrote the screenplay this time, which I thought was kind really? of fascinating because I think if you really start to think about it, the concept of the movie kind of is like the whole movie. It's not really like some movie you go to to watch like a super dramatic period piece or anything. You're literally watching a modern day like Zoom thriller, which I think is kind of a cool aspect of the franchise. Yeah, that whole screen life genre is starting to take off now. The first time I remember it being used was in this, from what I hear, pretty mediocre found footage horror film called Unfriended, Yeah, which was all over Zoom. Well, not all over Zoom, but it was all over Skype. This time it was 2014, remember Skype? Yeah, it's a little dated, just to say the least. And searching with John Cho was really when we first realized that, you know what, maybe the screen life shot over computer screen subgenre can actually be utilized very well and not just for the gimmick of it and actually be the backdrop for quite an intriguing mystery. Yeah, no, I thought, you know, the storyline of missing wasn't as strong as searching, but I do have no. to respect like them committing to like the found footage aspect of Yeah, it didn't feel cheap like in other movies. No, I think they the... actually got a bigger budget this time, right? Yeah. Missing cost 7 million while searching wasn't only it like a cost mil? 800,000. Wow. Less than a million. That's a less than a million dollar movie. I'm surprised they were able to afford him, John Cho, and Deborah Messing. Also, it kind of shows you, like, even with less of a budget, I actually think Searching is a stronger film. The plot doesn't get to the points of just, like, complete absurdity, which I have to say, one of my flaws with Missing is there were just, like, things I had to swallow that I was having difficulty because they were so out there at one point. Not to give any spoilers. This is a spoiler-free review. Don't worry. Just for anyone listening, go see Missing and make up your own opinion on it. There was a reveal two-thirds of the way through the film kind of lost the two of us yeah. when we saw it. Because it's, it's it like the swallow. concept of what they are accusing of this character of doing is just like, whoa, the planning this must have taken and like the execution of it was almost perfect too. And I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if I can believe that this would actually happen. And later on at that point in the film, we see a bunch of footage of surveillance cameras. So it's like, how convenient that we actually get some footage of the events going on here. Yeah, we literally had to, to like slide into the, the script that he had bought surveillance cameras, even though it like didn't make sense why he would have them if he like lived in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, they, they just needed an excuse to actually be like, hey, we can actually show footage of this and actually make the story somewhat cohesive yeah that's why searching's better though searching never had to force the camera maybe you can argue when john cho is trying to film his brother uh because he starts to suspect um his own family member yeah uh, you could argue he had to force the camera there because he was filming his brother. But in the story, it actually makes sense because you're trying to catch evidence on the guy. Yeah, I think a lot of that is because um, the director of searching, um, Anish Chaganti, sorry if I butchered your name, um, he, I think he only got a story credit on Missing. So he didn't get like too much in, input in it. Yeah, this time the producers gave the control to the editors because they know, like, editing that movie is probably extremely difficult, to say the least. Yeah, Searching and To a Degree Missing are pretty nicely edited films. 
Oh, they Especially look clean. for being the screen life zoom format. You actually see some time changes and it felt surprisingly smooth. And I like too, they put like the little FaceTime glitches, like when you obviously didn't need to, because they have a budget to not have that happen on set. It felt more realistic that felt way. Felt way more realistic. Although I will say if I were to nitpick a little on Missing in particular, the there were a couple times when the FaceTime calls, I was looking at them and I was like, these look very clean. Yeah. This looks like it was shot digitally, like, on purpose. I mean, honestly, the new iPhones, though, they're so crisp when you FaceTime somebody that you can actually tell a difference. But yeah, no. But it kind of looked like filmed footage. Uh, Yeah, it looked a little Hollywoodized, the lighting. And another flaw on the topic of just, like, the camera aspects of the movie, there's a couple shots where I don't get the decision here, but they would zoom in to like a laptop like a FaceTime. In. Yeah, they would like cut in and you can see the the grain on the, the noise on the on image. The and I was like this is not cinematic. Like I'm I'm not like engaged as as much as I would yeah. have been if you just kept it like a single shot of that, the FaceTime camera. That was a very odd choice that It was like jarring. Searching didn't really do. Yeah. Searching mostly just kept it on the wider computer screen with seeing the whole footage and it didn't like feel the need to zoom in on them um but in the second movie let's kind of talk about that how was the acting for you in I missing it was very strong for the most part i i really like storm reed in it yeah i think she's really solid she's a really solid lead she hasn't had many lead roles before she her debut feature was a supporting role in 12 years a slave she had a supporting role in lee winnell's invisible man she was on euphoria she was in the suicide squad I but feel like her biggest hasn't... thing up to this point was low-key the Wrinkle in Time movie where yeah, she which led. wasn't a big success. Yeah. And this is, from what I recall, one of her only other big starring roles, and she needs she needs more work. I can't, like, stress this enough. Like, the movie is literally her on her laptop most of the time, and that can get really boring, but... I thought because of her performance was pretty accurate. It's to, very like, focused on her, too, so she gets a lot of time to shine and, like, have emotional moments. And she felt like an 18-year-old. Like, that's, like, something that, like, can, like, go haywire if it looks fake. But it it seemed authentic. At first, she's kind of the resentful teenage daughter who is, like, bitchy towards her mom and Mm -hmm. all that. But the more you get to know her, like, this is what people are actually like. Yeah, and you can see, like, she cares about her mom, but she's not about to, like, respond to, like, a million text messages. Because her mom's a little bit overbearing, to say the least. Yeah, played by Nia Long. Talking about Nia Long, I I thought she was pretty solid. I think I would have wanted a strong stronger actor for the for like the villainous turn role which we won't spoil who it is i think it's just a tough role if it to not look cartoony i think and it kind of started looking cartoony yeah towards the end i thought it started looking a little like okay we're doing the exaggeratedly psychopathic character yeah and i I don't know if that translated very well because the movie was super grounded before with this 18 year old that was like not super close with her mom communication wise but then it like turns into this just psychopathic like oh okay like here we go (laughs) in other words it starts to turn into a screen gems movie yeah which you can take that as you will screen gems produced searching and missing and as a studio i must say they don't have a great track record no, these but are among honestly, their these movies. two, these two are one of their better ones to come out in the last five years. Like, yeah, from Screen they're, Gems. So, they're very much the label that Sony uses now to put out their like kind of schlocky genre films that end up like getting made on the cheap and then end up like making money they get forgotten about in like two weeks. 
Yeah, but Missing didn't feel like low quality as yeah, some wasn't. of their other work that they put out, to be honest. Resident Evil. Resident Evil franchise. Right? They they also have like another- Ultraviolet. I'm pretty sure they did like the, the Escape Room movies, which I'm not sure the highest quality like action no. flicks in the world. But, you know, I have to say like the humor in Missing sometimes was working. And I think like Screen Gems movies- Typically, the humor is just so fucking bad. But like in this yeah, movie, I don't think they would even bother with it. No, the humor in this movie was kind of on the nose. Like they would have like sequences where they would show a Netflix show that was being made about like a, a like murder a thriller. And it was kind of commenting on like there is a fascination with like true crime. And you actually see the characters being like, do people actually like this crap? And it very much looked like one of those Ryan Murphy Netflix true crime dramas that actually get made. It looked very glossy. They had like the fancy camera movements and the lighting that was very super dramatic editing. too. Because the the first time that one of these happened, I was kind of confused because I was like, wait a second, is this not an entirely over Zoom, over computer movie? Because all of a sudden over the opening credits, it's like, it's in scope now and it's very glossy looking and has dramatic music in it and then it zooms out and then it turns out to be Storm Reese's character watching the Netflix movie version of the events of the first movie where they're taking the, the car out of the river and everything. I thought that was a clever way of like, this is what happened in the first movie, but like, we're not going to just have some random ass dialogue of a character being like, oh, John Cho is missing his daughter. It was literally like a comedic scene where it's like all dramatic, like John Cho, whoever's playing the John Cho equivalent in the Netflix show is like freaking out. And you're like, oh, they're, they're commenting on like the drama of this. One thing I actually thought was kind of clever in this one was that instead of inserting the father looking for the daughter, which we can pretty easily buy, but in this case, that is completely flipped on its head. Instead, the daughter, played by Storm Reed, is looking for her mother, and I was actually kind of surprised to see a modern movie like not mock Gen Z for being the quote-unquote tech-savvy generation, and actually using that to an advantage, and actually using that to have to do the detective work. Yeah, because some of the some of the plausibility in the beginning actually really works when she's like looking up like oh i need to look up live streams of tourist attractions like that's actually a thing yeah i don't think a movie like bodies 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 would have written a character like this oh no no yeah this one doesn't mock the lead character which i was like thank you yeah and we actually buy the fact that storm reed is actually doing the searching for her mother which could have gone wrong with with a different writer it could have felt implausible yeah and i think what helps it is because like she starts like having parties over at the house because her mom's in bohota colombia so she's like party party house like, like let's take go advantage of that and you can see she she's kind of her. drinking her worries away and it's kind of an interesting thing to watch when you're like oh she's missing her mom but she's like doesn't know one thing i didn't love about the execution behind this one especially compared to Searching, which didn't feel overly dramatic and overly movie-like. Not at all. Um, In this one, when you watched some of the camera footage, it felt like movie dialogue was taking place. It was definitely it- not as natural. And I think I, that's a, a result maybe of having editors write your screenplay. Like, editors are all about, like, technical cuts and stuff like that. They're not really about, like, how Making does this sound? How does this sound, like, real? 
you know? And I think that's what the first charm, the the first um, movie has like a certain charm that I don't think the second movie even has. Because yeah, like cause also the concept too is not fresh. Like in Searching, that was like there were pretty ti- fresh. There were a couple times in Missing where it did, I'll admit, feel like a retread. Yeah. I, I do have to say though, a positive of the movie is I could not tell where it was going the whole time. Yeah, like we were trying to guess, like remember we were trying to guess certain characters as being sus and we were straight up wrong. Yeah, like, that was something I also liked about searching that searching probably did even stronger yeah which means the mystery component they still have it down like it's still like a a good mystery i would say yeah if you're into like kind of those type of movies where uh like similar to knives out and that like you don't know where it's gonna go then this is probably a good movie for you to check out honestly because yeah if you're going in for like the most like dramatic scenes in the world like you you're not going to get that in Missing. I'm sorry. But you will get yeah, a fun time in the theater. I will yeah, say. it is like admittedly like a decently entertaining mystery. Like oh, yeah. I can definitely recommend it It's not it to slow. People. It's not slow. It, it's, it's getting quite good reviews. Not quite as good reviews as Searching. But some people are turning up. Although it does make me a little concerned that it's only making 23 mil. But it was made for seven, right? So they did it like did. make something, which is they like did. respect. It, even then that's it's hard. Like, even then that's like a... Th- a third or a quarter of what searching ended up making if you guys if you guys want them to make the third movie called finding like you're gonna have to go buy a ticket for missing that's the only way searching missing finding make it happen it makes sense as a trilogy i mean just call it finding call the next one finding. that'd be cool i'd be cool if they completed the trilogy and then like that was it and what i liked about searching was how it made that feel like cinematic and made it feel like you were in with john cho and i feel like when searching got intense it got like more nerve-wracking than missing because missing when it got intense just got a little bit out there like they started like having shootouts and yeah it was and i and i get it because you got a budget this time you got literally six like six seven million more than you did last time yeah so you kind of want to spend it on a much more prestigious much less entertaining but more emotionally powerful note the second film we saw, actually the first film we saw that day, because we actually saw this before Missing, which might have honestly hurt our I know. opinion of like, it. Like Missing, that was a rough follow up to because Close was fantastic, Connor. Close, to put it simply, Close was Belgium's submission to the Academy for Best International Feature, and it thankfully got nominated. Yeah, so actually Lucas Don and it got, did a did a movie before actually called Girl in 2018. Haven't seen it, and it's about uh this ballerina who is transgender but is having difficulty because her body is not able to bend in certain ways because she was born a man. And she transitioned into a girl. It's a very interesting concept, honestly. And also, I think it kind of relates with Close. Because what I read, too, is the lead of this film, who's, uh, I think at the time of filming, around 14 years old. He's pl- the the lead is played by Eden Dembrini. Dembrini. excellent in the film. Excellent. Do you know how he found him, Connor? He was sitting on a train, and the kid was talking with his friends, and he went up to the kid and was like, hey, I'm writing this movie, and, like, I don't know why, but, like, you look like the guy that I'm picturing. Wow. And he auditioned the guy, he went through the process, got the role, and my god. So we actually took a bit of a neo-realist approach to casting the film, although the adults are played by somewhat more well-known Belgian actors who had 
been in things before, which does make sense because first of all, you got to market the movie. And second of all, they're obviously have more agency in the stories. Yeah, whereas, but like we've got giving the here. lead to a, an unknown actor to put it in short, this movie kind of follows Leo as he kind of goes through life like he's really close with this one friend, hence the title of the movie. Remy. Played Remy. by Gustave Dewal, who's also excellent in the film. At first, when you see their friendship, you the whole idea is that they're really, really close friends. Yeah, he's friends going through like a, a, a difficult time because also uh, during school, he's bullied. It's it's but it's like it's sexuality. it's realistic bullying, like where the girls are like, "Hey, you guys like gay." And then he's like, no, we're just really close. Like, isn't that cool? And then they're like, oh, it just seems like you're a little too close. And it's like, it's kind of commenting on like, maybe like younger kids, they don't really understand how sexuality is a huge part of somebody's identity. And you can't just be like, are you gay? Like, that's really not a nice thing to say. Like kind of casually. I think it was very much commenting on how, according to the social norms of masculinity, we let women be affectionate towards each other when they're just friends, but when two boys are just friends then automatically they're gay because there's this stigma right that boys cannot show emotion boys have to play hockey and be all aggressive yeah leo later on in the film he ends up like playing hockey racing with his friends and talking about ronaldo and being kind of very masculine oh very masculine well there's also this contrast between him and remy who's a bit more artistic. He plays the oboe in his band. He's the one who ends up trying to figure out his sexuality. Yeah, and Remy, Remy too, like, he'll have, like, scenes where he's just like, I don't want to eat. And then they're like, why? Ooh. Remy just didn't want to eat at one point because he was a little bit, like, in his feels. And he was just like, yeah, my stomach hurts. I think there's multiple facets to a person, but you can only see Leo's perspective of it because Leo is his best friend. Of course, Remy's not going to be showing Leo all of his cards, but that's yeah. a realistic approach to it, especially and, at a young age like that. plus Leo being the main character of the film. Yeah, which... I can't stress this enough. One of the best child performances I've seen in a minute. Um, in a long time. By Eden Dembrain. If this film were in English, he would be in bigger awards contention. I think he do, he would get nominated for an Oscar. I'm, I'm not even fucking yeah. capping. And plus this film already has an international feature nod. It was a big one at Cannes, which is how I first heard about the film. It competed for the Palme d'Or and I think won the, yes, it won the Grand Prix and it even got picked up by A24. The little stuff that the film's doing, right? Like the color palette, right? Leo is, is tends to wear, film. Leo tends to wear more yellow clothing and Remy tends to wear more red clothing. It's like, oh, okay. As an audience, I can tell the, the director of this film actually paid attention to how can we represent different types of character to just through the colors and i'm like oh okay that that's that's called quality filmmaking right there it's visual storytelling these these two kids also we empathize with because they're not too privileged yeah and i and i love leo is like working in the fields with his parents so but the thing is the movie is not like boohoo i'm like a little bit on like the lower income spectrum like it was just like i'm in belgium i'm a farmer like i'm just vibing they're kind of living in the moment yeah they also i one thing i liked about this film it felt very timeless in that they didn't use so much modern lingo and a lot of modern technology and it felt like honestly this movie could be beta at any time the story can be told at any time to anybody and it could still have that kind of universal appeal yeah because at the end of the day it is about multiple things but the core of it is about friendship that like affects you even like as a young child like that is something that like rocks you to your core especially when like you know 
you have like difficult times in a friendship when you're too close with somebody. You know what I also really liked, Connor, is like the mother character, the brother character. They were so authentic. Do you remember that scene where Leo just comes up to his brother and his brother and him are just talking in bed? I was like, yes, this is like how a real conversation with your brother would go. And we don't need like the token like brother that's like hard on him yeah. as an obstacle. It feels realistic. It's not like perks of being a wallflower where it's going desperately for melodrama it feels really authentic it doesn't feel like a it was based on a ya novel it just feels like a realistic just story about growing up that's what i love about a lot of the a24 pictures like this and moonlight and after sun both of which were produced by barry jenkins as a matter of fact i actually got kind of reminded of barry jenkins's style in this one and i'm kind of surprised he wasn't actually involved in it has a similarly ethereal atmosphere for a lot of the time definitely it, it captures that youthful exuberance of being young as a boy and guys this is a well-made movie. It relies very much on visual storytelling and not too much on dialogue, which I, is what I loved about it. Some of what occurs in the plot is not, like, said specifically, but we, like, know it as soon as we see a, a facial expression, and that makes the story all the more powerful. Yeah, like, remember in the in the very beginning of the movie, it's literally just Leo and Remy in the bed just kind of vibing as friends? But there's this weird chemistry between them where you can't read if it's sexual or if it's intimacy, right? There yes. is a difference between those two. Yes, and the way the film was shot, the way it uses handheld, it never felt intrusive like a lot of modern indie, like, mumblecore movies. Did. Yeah, they it, use it for effect. They're not just going handheld because we got lazy. It's like, no, this character is feeling a little bit disjointed. We're gonna show that with, with the camera a little bit and not make it to the point where it gets nauseating, which I loved. Yeah, I was during like, the hockey matches, it starts getting handheld and a bit more chaotic when Leo actually gets injured later on in the film during a hockey match. Yeah. No, and that, that kind of comes into the themes like later when like, you know, at one point he's playing hockey and he breaks his arm, which would happen if you play hockey as a kid. But he starts to learn through this like broken arm, weirdly enough, that like it's okay. It's like okay to hurt, which is such like a, a, a thing you try to dodge as a kid because... Life seems so happy as a kid. Sometimes you break your arm during a hockey match and it sucks and it fucking hurts. But I liked how that movie explored that side of it. Everybody hurts. Do you think uh, some people were turned off by this movie because it was, we don't need to see like the dramatic turns this movie's taking? What were some of the flaws that people were having with the movie? I think people, in order to give context for the film, not to give any spoilers, but this film halfway through, I did not expect this given the ads I had seen for the film. I was expecting to... It to be like kind of a touching kind of tear-jerking charmer oh no but it's halfway through this takes such a such a dark turn yeah and pretty much my whole theater including myself and marcello yeah we were like we're in oh, tears we did not the like because you can't see like it i was, think like it, you have to go there this film is soul crushing yeah I'll admit it. In it, all the best ways, though. Like, you were kind of comparing it to After Sun, which I think is pretty apt here because, you know, it's dealing with these things about, like, the, the unknown when it comes to mental health, where you can't really see, like, everything about a person. And it which, just feels very authentic. There aren't, like, crying breakdowns every five minutes. No, like, and, sometimes like, Remy's just, like, not vibing with dinner, and he's just like, yeah, I don't want to eat today. And it's like, yes, yeah, that's how that's, it would be. 
That's you know? quite a recurring motif throughout the film, actually. Yeah, the eating. A character trait. The the moment in question that is what the first half like builds up to this incredibly hits you like a brick wall, tear jerking moment is not actually said what happened. It's more like you can fill in the puzzle pieces with like the little bit I'm telling you, like which is great. It's That's... pretty obvious what happens in it, but you know it through a facial expression and not through dialogue. Yep. You know what you occurs. Feel, you feel the pain of of the characters through their eyes. You don't feel it through them being like, I'm hurting. I'm so hurt. Yeah. And it's like, no. there are scenes later on involving uh, Remy's mother, who is played by Emile Decan. Fantastic. Is Holy frick, she was good. Incredible in this film. She reminded me very much of Isabel Huppert, but not quite as cold and a bit more like... A bit more warm because she's a maternity worker, right? She yeah. works like literally in the hospital taking care of the, the newborns. Yeah, and she's a very easy character to sympathize with. And um, Leo actually goes to see her in in her office. That's a great and scene. And she's like, in the car, I'm right? Working. Later on, they both end up breaking down in the car. Yeah. And it's one of the most powerful scenes, really, in the whole film. And one of the most powerful scenes I've seen all year, really. And I don't know if you thought of this, but it kind of gave me vibes of Terrence Malick at times. Oh, absolutely. When he was running in the fields and, like, they were just doing farm work, it was giving me, like, kind of this dreamy, like, childhood innocence Like a bit of Days of Heaven, a bit of Badlands. One major criticism that many people have related to this film mostly pertains to the film taking such a dark turn halfway through. And I've seen people accuse it of being trauma porn, of being a a, another gay tragedy movie. And I guess like it I guess like it's technically something we have seen before in a lot of more mainstream LGBTQ themed films. I I haven't seen it done like this with this type of sensitivity though i'm gonna be straight up i thought yeah. it was handled very it was very handled well. very well even though a, par- a part of me can see why it's getting criticism as like not as like not quite furthering the history of queer cinema do you, is there Although an agenda really for this movie it. to further queer cinema i think the agenda of this movie is to tell a gripping story about leo like living in belgium on the farm and like we're not trying to, in that respect yeah we're not trying to say like this is like what i believe about like gay queer hate it was just like no this is what it is it just feels authentic yeah and i get that that's like not please. something to know is it has a very strong male gaze in the film because granted, the whole movie is kind of centered around two boys, and I fucking loved that because it gave it gave um this kind of feeling that boys are misunderstood without having to say like a sappy line like, like "Oh, boys don't know how to boys, emote as well." Boys can't cry. Yeah, yeah. No, it was more touching because it was more it was like a different kind of just showing. Yeah, it was just showing them at school, like just you know living their day, and then some people give them shit for being close, and I'm like. Honestly, I can see that happening in modern times. Despite of our, our acceptance, like in general, for younger people with LGBTQ, it's not necessarily sunshines and rainbows everywhere in the world, right? Yeah, I think I think a lot of if if someone's like a gay kid in a school mostly full of straight people and people who are more the majority, then that can cause that alienation. That can lead to bullying and lead to loneliness. And imagine. And- going through that connor as a seventh grader like those kind of ideas are very like almost you can't wrap your head around it because you're too young like you can't 
you can't like really understand do I have a sexual inclination towards this male because it's a little bit tough as a young boy I think to figure that type of stuff out w- w- in terms of sexuality but I think that's what the m- film is commenting on is like we need to kind of respect people's space people's like you know what they feel is okay what they want to do with their lives is it's it's fine but yeah. like we can't shut them out because he's an oboe player that does solos in the band and he's uh, kind of nerdy he's only close to the one other friend right like he doesn't seem to be like remy's not a guy with a ton of friends at school he's an introvert he's very much alienated from the cliques of his school environment yeah and it doesn't matter if you're from america and the movies uh you know obviously i think it's in french right the language it's french yeah so it's a belgian i think it's a universal film though that I, I really recommend people go watch because it yes. has important messages. Terrence Malick is somebody that if we're comparing you to Terrence Malick, that's a good sign. You did a good job. Yeah. This film is currently playing in theaters. It just recently expanded to a uh, still limited but relatively wide release. If this film Close is playing anywhere near you, I implore you to go out and see it and go out and support it and support the filmmakers, support A24 who are going to continue hopefully continue distributing quality work like this. And And to something to know, an Oscar-nominated film for Best International Feature. Yes, and... It's going to be competing, well, I don't. maybe competing is a nice word, but it's going to be trying to compete against All Quiet on the Western Front. I think, yeah, as far as I can tell, All Quiet is winning, though. Yeah. I don't think... Nine nominations, dude. That's a lot to compete against. It's sweeping the text. The tech branches loved All Quiet on the Western Front. Whereas Close is kind of an still an intimate drama, so I don't think it's it's not nearly as flashy of a film. But respect for the Academy for for nominating this film because I can tell it's not the highest budgeted film in the world. It's yeah, it's no. just expertly crafted, and you can tell it's like shot on film, like yeah, thirty five millimeter. A twenty four are starting to become the kings of coming of age. Oh, they're becoming the kings of Hollywood. Did you see they got, they're the most nominated studio for the Oscars? And yeah, it's because of one movie, but. They're, you know how bold that well movie is studio. for a studio to pick that movie up? You got to be bold. And I love that A24 is kind of uh, an artist's kind of studio where they let the director like do their fucking movie yeah. and we'll help you distribute it. That's a very good mentality to have in the film industry. Should we mention the short film we're making? Yeah, so I kind of want to give a little bit of a scoop on the next episode. So next episode, we're actually going to have a guest. His, he goes by the name of E.K., and we're going to all or Connor's already seen All Quiet on the Western Front. Yes, it's but great me film. and me and EK are going to watch it uh virtually basically in tandem and we're going to do a review. E Street though. Ooh. Yeah, I might go to the theater for it. I still need a plan how you should, I'm going to watch you it. You should you should see that film in the theater. On the big screen. It's seen on Netflix. I I saw it on Netflix unfortunately. It's it does no justice to the experience. Damn, okay. I'll go to see the, it theater. In the theater. So we're going to we're going to review that and then also we have a short film we're developing coming up. Connor is going to help me produce this one. And we're going to have a script kind of uh, note session on the pod, basically. Not giving specifics to the story because I no. kind of, you know, I kind of want the audience to be a little bit surprised about what we make. But I think what's going to be interesting is they can see like a lens into the how do we get the script so that when we get the actor, when we're filming, it, it's like perfect, you know, where we don't have to worry about the script's heavy lifting on set. Yeah. Also, I'm going to be doing camera on it. Yes, sir. Going to be cinematographer. We're going to have to practice. An, I went from an extra in your previous film to all the way to being a DP. Hey, that's what it's about. The climb, dude. Also, too, we're going to practice with that camera, though. Like, yeah. we're not going to just gun it. Like, And we're shooting in 4K. Heck yeah. 4K. Fuck yeah. 
Yeah. When, and, and a better camera than we had last time. It's yeah. a, it's just a newer generation. Yeah. We just shot in HD last time, right? Just HD, yeah. This time we'll shoot 4K. Yeah. We're climbing. We're climbing. All right. Well, keep an eye out for that. And see you next time on Before Showtime with Connor and Marcelo.